Hello and welcome to Poetry Non-Stop with me, Patrick Widdis, and my guest, Nathan Nicolau. Nathan is a poet from Charlotte in North Carolina who discovered poetry at a low point in his life but is now a prolific writer and publisher of poetry. He'll be sharing an exercise and some tips for writing poetry by paying closer attention to the world around us. So have a notebook and pen handy and be ready to attend as we listen to one of Nathan's poems. Our Beholders 1. The people who remember to take pictures are the ones I envy the most. Remembering to remember remembering, a dream sonata cycling through nature. I stare at this flower to judge if it's worth remembering, the colors duller than I see in pictures, the stem leaning down in sobbing prayer, its petals drying from a relentless summer. Our vision cannot be an absolute truth, I ponder as I pick this flower from its stem. But as I look up and see a gorgeous sea of white, and then down at this drifted island I've created, I had to raise my lens. Two. With how many songs about love there are, you'd think we'd care more about the mushrooms that come up from the ground to kiss us. Love songs are about stealing kisses away from the world, yet there are no lyrics about kissing a mushroom. How unfair is it that a mushroom comes up for us to love and we respond by grabbing her stocky body, driving her out of her home, resting her in a freezing box, and put her lips on a hot pan. Yet notice, still, as the mushroom sizzles in its oil pool, it's not a cry, but a song. A love song? Bring your lips closer and she'll tell you. Three. The crowd stares into the eyes of the pregnant seahorse as he dips and heaves and flies through his birthing ground. And when he pops litters of offsprings to people's cheers, a lady walks away and scoffs. No one clapped when I did that. That's great. Thank you. I like the observations there. You found some poetry in uh, quite mundane moments and there's uh, humour as well. Can you tell us a bit about how you wrote the poem? Uh, yeah, so the poem was actually inspired by um, a graduate class I took. Um, we were talking about eco-studies. And there was this really good essay by a very well-known conservationist and um, eco-feminist named Val Plumwood, who talked a lot about um, this idea of we need to be writing nature in an active voice. We need to see nature as something that is constantly around us. It's not just a backdrop. It's something that we need to uh, look at and appreciate instead of being like putting myself into nature. It's letting nature as it is. And I, I was when I was reading that, I was I was reminded of a lot of Buddhist scriptures that say the exact same thing. You're supposed to look at your life or look at an object at for what it is and not put yourself into it. Because the moment you put yourself into it, that creates desire. That creates uh, something that you want out of nature. And that's not necessarily how it's supposed to work. So the, the last part of it, the part three, that was the first one I wrote because that actually happened. I was at an aquarium and I saw uh, a seahorse give birth. And then a lady walked away making that same comment. I was like, wow, that says a lot about nature. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you, you'll, find, you'll find ideas for poems anywhere. And that's something big I always tell people. It's like, there's no such thing as something that can't be a poem. Like you, you can write a poem about your dog waking you up at 3 a.m. or a really bad lunch you had. I mean, anything can turn into, I think, a great poem. You know, it's just a matter of 
looking at the event or looking at the idea for what it is, you know? Yes, and this uh, Buddhist technique you mentioned of uh, seeing things as they are sounds a good technique, uh, both for life and for writing. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say a really important skill that I learned is that when you're writing a poem and you say I a lot, like I did this, I felt this, get rid of the eyes, get rid of all the eyes. And you'd be surprised how much is like, wow, I, I kind of put myself a little too much in, into this, you know, it turns more into like a like a rant or a, or a journal entry. But the moment you get rid of the I and start talking about the other things that happened like around the poem, be surprised how much it changes, you know? So for some people, they're like, eh, I don't like that. For some people, it's like, oh, wow, that actually kind of helps. But I think it's one of those things people should try at least once to see. Depends on what uh, people want to accomplish with their poetry, you know? Yeah, that's um, a great idea and uh, something to uh, think about uh, for sure. What about the rest of the poem? You mentioned a, a flower and mushrooms and went to some interesting places with those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first part about the about the flowers. So that was actually from a conversation I had where we were talking about, you know, thinking about this idea of nature as being active. How come like when we take a picture of something, we say it's beautiful, we appreciate it as a work of art, but we don't look at the flower itself and then say, wow, this is a work of art. Like how come, like how come the moment someone takes a photograph, it's instantly, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Look at the composition. But we're, when we're just walking out, you know, having a, having a walk, we don't look around like the flowers and trees. And, oh, wow. The color, <laughs> you know, or anything like that. So kind of a, um, kind of a play on that. And the line, you know, remember, remembering to remember, remembering. That's kind of what all photographs are. If you really think, if you really think yeah. about it. So that I just kind of went with that concept. The second part of the poem about the mushroom, that was actually kind of a reference to um, a graduate teacher of mine who taught the eco studies class. Her, her passion was mushrooms. <laughs> she just loved mushrooms for some reason. And she was so that was kind of like a sly little reference to that. But it was also I was also thinking a lot about how, especially in, in Buddhist culture, everything has a spirit. Everything is alive. Even the grass that we walk on, they, they have spirits, they, they are alive, and it's a part of this never-ending cycle of uh, reincarnation. So, you know, the, the, sometimes the, um, the food that we eat, we don't really stop to think, wow, this is like a living, breathing thing that I am killing and eating, <laughs> you know? We don't, again, we don't stop to look at it for what it is. This is a mushroom. We stop, look at it and say, this is food for me to eat, you know? Um, so part two, I really like, and a lot of people have said is like, you know, that could have been a poem in and of itself because it, I like it because it gets a little more philosophical, but I think incorporating humor even to very serious topics like this, under, like um, understanding nature, understanding beauty and things like that gives a different spin on it, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, you've packed a lot into uh, quite a short poem with those uh, first two parts. Did you have those ideas and link them to the flower and the mushroom? Or was it more the other way you observed those objects and got those ideas? It was definitely observing first. And I think really a lot of these ideas just came naturally. And I was kind of, I was kind of surprised how much they came naturally. I wasn't born um, I, I wasn't born Buddhist. I wasn't born like a intense, you know, environmentalist or anything like that. It, that, that stuff just kind of went 
came later in my life as I've experienced more and and grown older. But I was really shocked how, <clears throat> especially with the first and second part, how naturally those uh, how naturally those came to me. Especially starting to open my eyes more to nature around me, and it's really helped my poetry. I think just taking that moment even just five minutes out of the day, which I do sometimes to just look around, even just inside my house. It's like, oh, you know, I never know. <laughs> I never noticed this about, um, about this object or, you know, I never noticed like, you know, why do I, why do I put this item next to this item and what, and how I lay out my desk or something? Does that say anything about me? You know, it wasn't until I started practicing Buddhism, I would say probably like a couple of years ago that I started um, doing that. So um, I was a poet before then. I've, I've been writing poetry, excuse me, I've been writing poetry since 2019. And I don't know, the two just kind of linked together. Buddha wrote poetry too. Um, a lot of his sermons were written almost like poetry. And he, and he actually does the very same thing where instead of just telling you what an object is or like, this is how you use that object, it's looking at for um what it is this is love as it is it's not something that you want it's something that it just is this is life life isn't just given to you we create life and stuff like that so to kind of answer your question <laughs> yeah they're just ideas that just came to me um naturally and that's a big thing that i tell poets to do especially you just open your eyes you'd be surprised what ideas come to you just naturally you know and it's important to just write them down write them down right then and there because you'll forget. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I guess there's a lot of observations you can make about the same thing and that different people would uh, make about the same thing or uh, at different times. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, just a really big thing. Um, any person that wants to get into poetry and they and they ask, you know, what's like a good, what's like the best thing that you know, you can tell me about just getting ideas down. You know, I, I struggle, I struggle with ideas. And I think a lot of people struggle with ideas because we're so used to the narrative of, oh my God, these genius poets, it, it just came to them. You know, they were just born with this natural ability to just write a fantastic poem. You know, everyone, everyone was a Dickinson moment there out the womb. But even then, um, I'm actually reading some Emily Dickinson's poems and I was really shocked to read that. I mean, she rarely left the house. She rarely did. But you read her work and it's like, wow, it seems like this woman lived a life. And it's because she did a lot of observations. She did a lot of reading. She looked out her window a lot. And just from doing that alone, opened the floodgate of all these ideas that, that came to her. And then she wrote like hundreds upon hundreds of poems. So I always say that's kind of the first step. Like if you, if you want to work on your craft of, of uh, poetry, if you want to work on how can, I, how can I incorporate more of like this topic or that topic? Like how can I write about life and death, something that every poet writes about and make it different? What makes it, what makes it different is how you see things. Is the Buddhist concept of mindfulness. Mindfulness isn't just, you know, meditation. That's like a mis that's a little bit of a misconception. It's a part of it. Yes, uh, you can be mindful while meditating, but you can also be mindful just living your day to day life. Something that I do when I do chores like cleaning the room or, you know, doing dishes or something like that. I stop and I do things very methodically. I, you know, I, I pay attention to the way I like hold the plates or something. I pay attention to, is the water too cold or is it too hot? You know, how does, how does it work? How does it feel on my skin? You know, that kind of like sensory stuff works beautifully in a poem. 
just small little things like that. And that kind of gets into the exercise. Yeah, well, what this conversation reminds me of is a few years ago, I went on a nature walk and the person leading the walk, he was pointing out all these different weeds and flowers and grasses and insects and things. It's quite mind blowing because it was essentially walking through a field. But, you know, you just realized how many worlds there were sort of under your feet and all around you. We all have different perspectives on things. To one person, they step outside and it's like, man, it's too hot. Why am I here? The next person is like, oh, my God, this is absolutely beautiful. You know, that's one of the things I love about poetry. You know, the fact that I could write something and then 50 people have different (laughs) ways of looking at it. Or you have that one guy that's like, this sucks. I don't get it. (laughs) You know, so kind of all goes full circle there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, tell us about the writing exercise. Yeah, great. Um, so this is, um, this is a writing exercise that, again, was inspired by Buddhist ideals of mindfulness. So I briefly mentioned it earlier. Mindfulness is more, the, the, the clear-cut definition of it is being mindful of where you are. A big aspect about Buddhism is letting go of this idea of the self, letting go of this idea of desire. I want to do this. I, I need to do that, stuff like that. Being mindful makes you realize where you are in the moment now. And this, this gets more into the philosophical uh, aspect of Buddhism, where there's really no such thing as a past, and there's no such thing as a future. It's only what you're doing right now, like me talking to you right now. There's no reason to worry about the future because it hasn't happened yet. There's no reason to look at the past because it's already happened kind of a thing. Um, so that's what being mindful is. People tie it to meditation, people do meditation, and that's perfectly fine. A writing exercise um, I think would be really helpful for uh, for poets out there is just take like five minutes, um, or not even five minutes, just take a few minutes. Maybe like sit down somewhere, it can be at home, it can be outside, and just look. Just look around, look around you, just turn the brain off for a second, and then see what kind of object or thing that happens in front of you that you're drawn to and you just can't keep your you can't keep your eyes off of it and then just really study it start looking at it and start and start saying okay what exactly is this thing in front of me as it is not what i want it to be not what i already know it to be that's the future and the past coming in to try to distract you it's like what it is what is it right now I think a really good example is if for those of you who don't want to go on nature walks, it's like, oh, you know, I don't really see the point of it. Uh, sit down in your office and then start looking around. It's like, oh, look at this pen here. I'll just use this as, <laughs> you know, I have a pen in front of me. I'm looking at this pen. I know it as a pen, but looking at it now, all it is is just a utensil. I'm looking at it. It's red. What, what, why would it be red? You know, start asking yourself questions about this thing as it is, and then just write a poem on it. Um, Write a poem, either uh, describing it. Everyone loves uh, descriptive poems, you know, maybe write it for, write it in the perspective of this object. How do you think this object feels being used? I once read a good poem from a student where it was the life of a penny. And it talked about, it's like, uh, one of the lines was something along the lines of, you know, you, you you may see me in between couches, um, and, you know, left alone at fast food restaurants, but no one ever, even though there's a sign that says, you know, take a penny, leave a penny, no one does. So, you know, maybe something like that along those lines, you know, definitely something I, I heavily encourage. It's helped a lot with my writing. It helped me think about poetry in a new way. 
And uh, hopefully for anyone out there who wants to take this uh, exercise, um, hopefully it opens up, um, again, just a new way to think about poetry. Yeah, and uh, great for getting ideas. Um, it can just be whatever's around you. Abs absolutely, you know, uh, the sky's the limit with it. Um, again, I am a firm believer that anything can be a poem, just about anything. Look at all the great poets and, you know, some of the subjects for their poems were just like, <laughs> what, ha what happened there? It's just like, I, I would never think about writing a poem about that, um, especially like, say, the beat poets. An example I give all the time um, because I, I teach this poet to any student that, I that I've had uh, is Frank O'Hara. His poems just, it just seems like spontaneous journal entries about, I took a walk on the day, you know, Billy Holiday died. I went out and got a hamburger. It's like, well, what is this about? Like, what? And then finally, like, it's always towards like the end of his poems that, like, oh, you get the I get it now moment, where it's like, that's, he's reflecting on what he was thinking and feeling and stuff like that. It, it, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of the beat poets and the New York city poets, especially during like the fifties and sixties, a lot of them were inspired by, by Buddhist poetry, Allen Ginsberg, especially. So it's nice to know that poetry and Buddhism has always had this kind of like synergy together. So with that exercise, you know, you're kind of recalling back to how poets would see the world and how they would write about the world you know and now the, these poets are considered the best of the best you know yeah i uh kind of had to go at it earlier just based on your instructions i sort of want to try it again now having uh, actually talked about it but um this was something i just came up with from uh sitting at a cafe and uh looking at things as you said and it goes crumbs scattered on bone china Two serviettes, pristine as hotel bath towels. Everything I touch feels slightly sticky. Sweet remnants lodged in the labyrinthine mm. grooves of my fingertips. I crack my joints, press palms against the wall and scamper up to the ceiling to watch unblinking as the waitress clears the table. I really like that. Yeah. Like, like uh, the kind of um, point of view of something poem. I really, I really like that. And I liked how, especially with the, a lot of the language that you, that you use there, you know, you're really think you're really thinking in that perspective. You're not, you're not seeing the outside in, you're seeing, you know, the inside out. So no, I, I really, I really like that. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of that penny poem I was just telling you about <laughs> from, mm -hmm. from this one student that I had, you know. I'm sure it was fun, though. Fun just kind of looking around and thinking of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best part. You know, when you're thinking, it's just like, oh, what can I add here? What can I add there? And what's great for this writing exercise is that if you're running out of ideas, just keep looking at the object. <laughs> you know, the more you look at the object, the more you start seeing things like with this pen. It's red. I got this from this place in Tennessee called the Apple Barn. Hmm. Maybe there's like a story there I can tell in my poem. I see apples on, you know, just like more ideas you can incorporate and just try to tie it all together there, you know. So I'm glad you did that exercise. <laughs> that was a good poem. Yeah, well, thanks for the exercise. And um, yeah, you, you uh, don't know what uh, you'll end up writing. Um, uh, I didn't know I was going to go off on that uh, flight of fancy. So yeah, 
uh, give it a go and um, as always share whatever you come up with because it's always good to see what these uh, exercises inspire yeah absolutely yeah so um, we should maybe talk a bit about how you got into poetry you uh, said when you contacted me that um, writing saved your life which is a, is a bold statement it, it is a it is a bold statement. And I think a lot of, you know, especially a lot of writers, they say it's like, oh, you know, writing has, you know, helped me express myself. It's helped me, you know, through, t- through tough times. But I, I would say for, for me, writing saved my life because after I, um, so let me start, so let me kind of start from the beginning. Before I started writing poetry and fiction and stuff like that, I wanted to get into filmmaking. I graduated from film school in uh, 2018. And for anyone who knows anything about the film industry, it's very hard to break into now more than ever, um, especially with uh, COVID. And even though this was um, pre-COVID when I um, graduated, it was, it was still tough uh, to break in. I was, I was jobless for a year after I graduated and I would just hit rock bottom. I felt like I wasted four years of my life, wasted all this money. I just don't know what I'm doing with my life now. And I had no proper outlet to really express myself to express that frustration I had to express any of that stuff. So I just, I fell into a a very quick, deep depression. It got to the point where I almost took my own life. And I'm very, I'm very honest about this stuff because I do think we need to have more open conversations about, you know, especially the, the, the life of an, the life of an artist, the, the life of wanting to pursue art, art takes grit. And it's the same with writing. Any writer can tell you how many rejections that they've had before they tell you their successes, <laughs> you know? So I think it's very important to be very uh, open about this stuff. But I almost attempted uh, my own life. And just by sheer, by either just sheer luck or just a little bit of consciousness that I had in that, in that moment, um, I decided not to. And I ended up in a mental hospital um, for a few days. And it was truly the lowest point of my life. It wasn't until a few days after I was released from the mental hospital where I kind of realized like, okay, maybe this filmmaking, this filmmaking path and stuff like that, I've tried and tried and tried and it made me end up in the situation I I was in. Maybe I should just start rebuilding my life, maybe rethinking um, what direction I can take. I didn't know much about poetry at the time. I always associated poetry with, you know, the boring stuff that you read in English class, <laughs> you know, like two, two rows diverge in a yellow wood. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> but it, it, I started reading more contemporary poetry and I started reading, actually, I started reading a lot of Asian poetry, um, especially the more like Zen poetry from like the Zen monks back in the, you know, early uh, Chi- Chinese and Japanese periods and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what, I'll take a crack at it. You know, let me t- take a crack at poetry, even though I spent four years in film school learning how to, you know, direct movies and like write movies and stuff like that. Let me just take a crack at it. And it was just like a, a the moment I just started writing poetry, it's just like a flood of ideas came to me, you know, because of my experience, my prior experiences, it just became a much more healthy way of expressing myself rather than just bundling it all up. So within just the first year of me writing poetry, I got my first publications and they were just like back to back to back. And again, mind you, I didn't, I didn't write poetry when I was a kid. 
all I wanted to do was get into movie making and stuff like that. But I found more success writing poetry than I ever did trying to go into film school. So that was kind of like the first wake up call for me. It's like, oh, wait, I could probably do something with this poetry stuff, <laughs> you know. But then it started with poetry. Then it, uh, I'm currently writing fiction now. I'm also writing essays. So it was just kind of like it was kind of the gateway, you know, to realize my, my true potential with that. So that's why I say it, that's why I say it saved my life because I'm just imagining like my life, what would happen if after I was released from that mental hospital, if I just said, ah, poetry, who needs it? Ah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to write. I mean, I already took my life. I could have, I could have seriously taken it the, the next, the next time if I was into that depressive mood. Thankfully now I'm much more stable. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm still seeing therapists. I'm still, you know, taking uh, medications. I have a beautiful, lovely wife literally just had, uh, we, we just had our daughter uh, a few months ago. Seriously. It's just like, life is just on the up and up just because one day I just decided I'm just going to start writing. Uh, who cares what people are going to think? I'm just going to start it. And and from there, it went to uh, maybe I'll start submitting. I might not get it submitting to publications. I might not get anything. Got my first publication. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God. Incredible. Just just kind of make a long story short for anyone who's who's listening. If you're if you think you're going into that kind of downward spiral or if you're if you're if you are a poet and you know you want to be a poet or a writer and you're saying to yourself, I just don't know if I can keep doing this. Trust me, as I say that. You, you got to keep pushing. You got to keep pushing forward because one of the most important things that I've learned doing this is that as excited as you are to write something, someone out there is going to be just as excited to read it. And once you kind of like understand that and really tell yourself that and, re and reaffirm it, that's where things start opening up. So again, writing, Writing has changed. It really has not only saved my life, but it's also changed my life. If you told me a couple of years ago, I'd be where I am now. I run my own poetry magazine. I'm published. Like, I would have laughed in your face. So it takes grit. That's kind of the um, big thing I always tell writers, you know, before they start asking, well, how do I, how do I structure a plot or um, how do I use a comma? It's like, that stuff comes later. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about the hard knocks here first, <laughs> because that's the stuff a lot of people don't tell you. Um, so that's why I'm very open about it. Yeah. Well, it's uh, great to hear you've had all that success. Yeah. I've mentioned uh, your poetry magazine a couple of times. Yeah. So I found it, I founded New Note uh, Poetry um, November of last year. And uh, so far, we've released um, two issues of it, uh, a winter 2021 issue and a spring 2022 issue. Right now, I am going through submissions for our summer um, issue, um, which will uh, more than likely come in July. But Nuno Poetry started as just, again, one of those crazy ideas, the same with, maybe yeah, I can write a poem. One day I woke up and it's just like, Maybe I could maybe I can run a poetry magazine. I love I love reading them. I love reading other people's poetry. I love I love editing. I love putting uh, I love compiling poems together. I only had a very little amount of publishing experience, but it was just my passion and drive for poetry where I said, yeah, let's try it out. If it again, if it doesn't work, I know that it didn't work and I don't do it again kind of a thing. That's why you just, I always say you go for it. And if you fail, you fail. Okay. Time to move on. But I'm very glad this didn't fail 
um, because this has been uh, another life-changing experience. Kind of a brief rundown of it. Nuno Poetry is uh, a quarterly magazine where we embrace what's new. We embrace what's fresh. And we embrace, you know, unique perspectives, kind of the same way with the writing exercise I showed you, you know, just kind of unique ways of looking at looking at things, you know, we want the bold, we want the avant-garde, you know, we want stuff that really pushes the envelope, but we also love to see just new, fresh ways of looking at, you know, classic poetic forms. So that's the stuff that I really like to look for. Um, when I'm editing the magazine, but yeah, it's been, it's been pretty, it's been very successful uh, since I launched the first issue. Uh, I've gotten submissions from just absolutely fantastic award-winning poets. Some of them were nominated for the push cart. Some of them just incredible that um, they're willing to, you know, submit their work to such a small, <laughs> uh, small one man uh, publication here, um, but I'm just having so much fun with it. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. Maybe that would be a good time to hear some more of your poetry. Yeah, absolutely. So this is another favorite of mine, again, kind of more in the Buddhist realm here. Um, so this poem is called The Patio Outside My World. And I will always have a deep connection with this poem because I submitted this to a, um, an art installation in my in my current city, uh, Charlotte, a well-known British artist, uh, Luke Jerram, started a um, an art installation in Charlotte called Of Earth and Sky, and it's just, it was this beautiful exhibit where it was lines of local poets' poetry, but scattered throughout all the city. So when you're walking down the city, maybe you'll see a line of someone's poem on the side of a bus, or you look up and you actually see it like in like the sky, in the skyline, like in between, like as a banner in between these two buildings or something like that. This poem actually was featured in that exhibit, in that exhibit. And it was um, right next to this really cool place in Charlotte called the Jazz Room, kind of a shout out there. But this is the patio um, outside my world. And it goes uh, like this. The hummingbird came as I read Buddha's words about awareness, how awareness leads us to an island so proud that no flood could reach. The hummingbird hungers, but I had no food to give. All I had were the violets on my island, which she was more than welcome to. But now the worker bee floats across, seeking rest for all his hard work. The hummingbird stops, sees the bee meditate on my violets, and leaves. A verse comes to me. The wind, its chime as soft as jazz. The birds responding, allowing silence. If only Earth was paradise now. So funny enough, even though this is a poem mainly about, you know, uh, Buddhism. And like I said earlier about looking at objects for what they are, looking at this hummingbird and this bee and this violet, just their natural innate uh, ability. It was the line, the wind, its chime as soft as jazz that they really responded to. And they um, put it up as a poster in front of the jazz room at uh, the stage door here in Charlotte. And it was up there for like a solid month. So Kind of you, you, you never know what parts of a poem people will respond to more than others, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's uh, been great to hear you uh, share your passion and uh, you've uh, given us some great poetry and uh, food for thoughts. Well, thank you. Yeah. That was Nathan Niccolo. Be sure to check out his website, nathannicolo.com and journal at newnotepoetry.com.
I hope you all take a little time to absorb the world around you and share the resulting poems. You can email poetrynonstop at gmail.com and find all the details from this podcast on poetrynonstop.com. I'm going to leave you with another poem from Nathan. Until next time, thank you for listening and keep writing. So here's a little bit more of a uh, more humorous uh, poem that I'm pretty that I'm pretty proud of. This is based off of a teacher I had in fourth grade, and uh, her name was Miss Cottrell. She wasn't the nicest teacher, <laughs> and um, I call this one uh, "Here's to Many More, uh, Miss Cottrell." I owe my life to my mother, but I owe my career to Miss Cottrell, the self-proclaimed wicked witch of fourth grade teachers. I just learned how to spell my last name, and here she comes, staring me down with her wide red eyes, asking me why my poem about, about the Titanic sinking didn't rhyme. And I said I couldn't find anything that rhymed with sunked, and no one corrected me until high school. And her chameleon eyes whizzed around, her tongue swishing, that I'll never see next year. Well, it's another night in my apartment with my wife and our baby and my two cats, and I need to wake up early to go teach college freshmen who wince at the name literature the why of poetry instead of the how. See you next year.